0: All right, so here's a question. Why do we need a war on cars? And I guess more specifically, why do we need a podcast about a war on cars?
1: Okay, I'll tell you, because I have to get this stuff off my chest somehow, like what happened to me on the way here. I was riding a city bike over here. It was a lovely morning, going through an intersection. There was a little traffic because of a truck that was stopped. There was a four-way stop sign. All these cars were just blowing through the stop sign. I waited and waited. And finally, I was like, I'm just taking my turn. I went to go through the intersection. And another car comes blowing through at me, an SUV with jersey plates and this woman driving it. And I said, you know, stop. Like, you have a stop sign. And she's like, get your fucking self out of the street. You shouldn't even be in the fucking street. And it was like, why do I have to live like this? That's why I, like, I got to. Talk about this shit.
0: <laughs> that, <laughs> that woman probably like she's like the president of her PTA. Right. Yeah, she's like yeah. you know her husband coaches little
2: league or whatever. Yeah, she has to talk about this shit. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right? she gets to
0: go yeah. to therapy for that shit. All right. So let's do this. This is uh, this is the war on cars. This is a podcast about what do we think this podcast is about?
2: I I think it's about cities, actually.
1: Well, it's about the way that cars are killing us. And it's about the destruction of the social fabric.
2: I think for me, it's just about
0: getting the cars off of my street. I'm a NIMBY, but for cars,
2: I, I think it's about shining a light on this enormous blind spot that we have in America, which is just you know, cars and car culture and the amount of destruction that cars do. You know, it's just it's just like it's invisible to us. And I think one of the things we're gonna hope to do is, is just shine a light on that.
0: Expose that, yeah. Expose that. I'm Doug Gordon. I'm a transportation and safe streets advocate, otherwise known as Brooklyn Spoke online. Sitting next to me is Aaron Napperstek who is the Founder and former editor of Streetsblog. Also uh, really, really hates honking.
2: I prefer to be uh, introduced as transportation dilettante.
0: Dilettante. Yes. Good, good, good. And also I'm with Sarah Goodyear, a writer, a journalist, who uh, frequently writes about the subject of transportation and safe streets and and rides her bike and gets screamed at. at Yeah, and
1: you apparently should just get her fucking ass out of the street. Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. So we all agree we need a war on cars. So let's do it. Let's talk about... Um, one, I guess, front in that war on cars, and that would be technology. Can mm. can tech save our cities from the car, or is it just going to be we're going to be flooded with guys on scooters, dockless bikes, running old people over? Uh, tech bros. Okay, let's ta- bro's let's talk scooters. about the scooter thing. The okay. scooter thing. All Dude. right. So, for people who don't know, let's let's talk about like what what are these e scooters that are being kind of dropped.
2: So there are these new companies, right? These VC, venture capitalist-funded companies like Bird and Lime, yeah, and probably a couple others that are really aggressively moving into cities with electric scooters, where they just kind of roll up into the city, drop you know a couple thousand scooters on the street. Santa Monica, um, where else? San Francisco, uh, Francisco,
1: Portland. They just went into Portland, Oregon,
2: and people can then walk up to the scooter, uh, use an app to pay, I think it's like a dollar a ride. Yeah, it's very cheap. And then they're they're zipping around at a maximum speed of I think it's 15 miles per hour on most of these things on sidewalks, on the street, and this has been jarring to a number of people. <laughs> and yeah, this, and, yeah. And
1: part of the reason that it's jarring is that then when they're done zipping around, they can just put the scooter wherever they want. And sometimes they just drop it in the middle of the sidewalk the way my 16 year old drops his socks in the middle of the living room. Um, and that pisses people to fuck off uh, because actually, there's there's a funny uh, Instagram that that just shows, you know, just piles of scooters, uh, like in uh, around the beach area in Venice, California. They're just people just. They're just throwing them around like, hey, it's a
0: piece of tissue paper. Because everyone knows the beach in Venice is otherwise free from all That's clutter. It's yes. completely serene. There's it nothing is. going on there. And then the scooters get dropped in and suddenly yeah. you can't move.
1: I, I believe pristine is the word. Yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah. yeah. I guess in Santa Monica, I, I only saw this on Twitter, but the, it looks like the cops in Santa Monica did a, a massive sweep and just started, you know, basically rounding up scooters and throwing them in the back of a truck and getting them off the street. Right. So it's like the the authorities are just sort of responding with a kind of a black and white, you know, banish these things or cap these things. It seems like there's not a lot of subtlety in the way that we're
1: so what's uh, so what I want to know is like I get why the scooters make people mad and I get why you don't want like tech bros zipping past you on crowded sidewalks and and all of that but like what's good about the scooters what's the argument for them because
0: i I just would like to know what you guys think is there an argument for them yeah i mean if i'm uh, sitting in some boardroom in san francisco and i want to make the case for scooters i guess it's okay i get off the bus or i get off the bart or whatever and grab one and i can be at my office in 10 minutes instead of maybe 15 or 20 and I'm saving all this time and it's sort of that last mile solution that maybe you didn't know that you needed and now you've got it and your quality of life has improved because you've got all this extra time. I would assume that that's part of it. I don't think, you know, nobody's going to take this thing and commute 45 minutes to work. That's probably not going to work for people, but I can see that argument.
2: I think with all these things, to the extent that scooters can replace cars and car trips, then they're going to be a good thing in cities. But what seems to be happening now is scooters and these other vehicles are replacing transit trips, which is becoming problematic for transit systems. I I do think there's an element here though, when you you, you walk around the street in New York City now and you can see these like little weird, like one wheeled skateboards and strange electric bikes that are starting to emerge. I do kind of see them as like, the little furry mammalian creatures that are popping up around the dinosaurs that are cars. And I I do imagine a future city in which these small, uh, lightweight, very personal electric vehicles are a really important part of an urban transportation mix. So I'm actually pretty happy to see the scooters, scooters, bike shares, all these new experiments that are in a funny way, taking advantage of the fact that our streets are just a total free for all, like they're a chaotic, unregulated free for all. Yeah. And these VCs are exploiting that in a really interesting way to to impose new th- ideas that city government would never do on, on its own. I yeah, get,
1: I get that. Oh, I'm, I, I mean, I think part of the problem is that that we're fighting for these crumbs, right, especially in the United States. In in other countries, it doesn't seem to cause quite as much controversy when these, when these modes come into use because there's more space for people in general. And so here, I think pedestrians feel so squeezed already that having another thing on the street that's going to be impinging on their space, that's like the, one of the complaints I've heard is that it's an anti-pedestrian. It feels like an attack on pedestrians.
0: See, I—, I- I see the scooter thing as much as I find them really fun and, you know, I use City Bike and I use all of these options. I see them as a symbol of total failure on the part of civic government. I see them basically as the government. Now, certainly some governments are saying, like, nope, we don't want them here. We're putting a cap on them. We're rounding them up, like you said. But I see... These mayors and governors and and city council people saying our budgets are really stretched thin. Uh, We can't dare suggest that we raise taxes on anyone or or charge people to drive, which we could then use to fund transit. So, hey, you know, Elon Musk, why don't you come on over here with your gazillions of dollars and, you know, dig a tunnel or, you know. uh, Uber, can you just drop like a bazillion self-driving buses that will carry 20 people uh, into our cities? And and they're never going to be a solution for the fact that one subway car in New York City carries thousands of people. And one subway line carries hundreds of thousands of people every day. Yeah. And you know, so the scooters are great. I think they're fun. Like I said, I would use one. I have used them. But you know, the guy who's coming in from Canarsie on the L train, he's not getting on a scooter to get to his job near, say, Grand Central. He's yeah. not doing that. And I, so as much as I think they're fun and represent this amazing kind of front uh, on the war on cars... I I see it as a symbol of the failure of American civic government to provide for its people.
1: Yeah, because they're just not willing to expend the political capital to make these things happen. And that's despite the fact that polls show that people in the United States want more investment in public transportation. So, you know, they, they don't give a shit about those people because they're not politically powerful. And the exact people who need public transportation the most are the ones with the least power. And then somebody like Elon Musk comes in to a city like Chicago, for instance, and he's like, oh, I can build you a thing that gets you to the airport in 12 minutes and I'll do it all with my own money and you won't even have to worry about it. It's gonna be great. Who believes that that's gonna actually happen? (laughs) So right, so
2: I think an important problem, a thing that comes up in in this discussion of tech and transportation in cities is that you've got a set of projects and ideas and products that are frankly currently just like a fantasy—they're just sci-fi. Yeah. So, Elon Musk, Hyperloop—that is science fiction. That doesn't exist. There is no. Yeah, but there's no Manuel standing right. there with him. But and no, saying no, wait. Like... So, so there's that. So there's 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 robot cars. There's Hyperloop. There's like the flying train that I saw the other day. <laughs> <Yeah>. There's <laughs> yeah. the straddle bus. I missed that. This, there's this <laughs> crazy. You know, the flying train. It was like this nutty, like airplane attached to a train track oh yeah you know that you with with like that like lift itself with um drone propellers anyways so there's this whole realm of fantasy projects that people are getting totally obsessed with and even mayors are as you know like standing up there with a Musk, be like we're gonna have a hyperloop to the to, instead of just fixing the blue line which yeah. is whenever i'm in chicago i take the subway and right it would yeah. be nice if it were faster you know or,
0: or building another subway line another right, l that right. could get there go, from a different go direction to more places yeah exactly
2: so they have you know but then there's a set of projects that are A set of tech VC funded tech projects that are happening now that are real and are actually transforming our cities in a radical way that seem to get less attention than the Elon Musk projects. For instance, e-scooters, you know, for instance, bike share, for instance, car share. I mean, like car to go is a radical technology that makes it possible in a city to have access to a car with there being fewer cars potentially on the street yeah but you
1: know here's the thing it's like i just came back from europe and uh, yes i'm going to be that irritating person who just came back from europe and said like guess what the public transportation systems work in europe because though i was in three different countries including one that's a lot less rich than the united states which is spain and in every city i went to the trains came every four to five minutes when the countdown clocks right there's no radical
2: new technology necessary and they
1: have all that other stuff and they have car sharing and they have ferries, and they have scooters, and they have a dockless bike share
2: and dock bike share, but, and, and they the, have all of and those And they things. have fewer private cars. That's right. I mean, right. The,
1: because yeah. they have a public transportation system that works, and we're. Not, I believe that we will never get cars out of here with little scooters and that kind of stuff. We need to have a public transportation system that works, and until we can get that
2: Okay, but see, I think I can't I expect people I, to
1: just ride around on scooters.
2: I think that's not true in the United States though. I like look, like we've all been plugging away for a good 15 years as like livable streets advocates or journalists in various ways, right? We've been like covering this stuff, we've been like even like going to meetings and doing activism. And you know we can fight for like 24 months to get two white stripes painted on the street as a bike lane like go through all the public processes get yelled at like lobby our you know government officials meanwhile like these companies can roll in because the united states is so fucking you know like subservient to corporate interests and private power these corporations are having much more success in transforming our streets than we are as activists and advocates and but i think that's the just a reality fails, right if now. the
1: subway fails the if subway the subway fails if, if the bus if the buses and the subways fail Aaron, there's just absolutely it's not going to make any difference but are how they many are bikes. they but
2: they're totally failing yeah, and the and the MTA and, and the whole idea that we're going to like just give more money to the MTA like do you think that's a good idea it's a completely disf- dysfunctional organization and i think where we're headed You know, to some extent, I really think that whether we like it or not, like these companies like Uber and Lyft, they're buying transit systems next. Like they will be. Yeah, that will be your. The next front. That that's where this is going, you know. And I man, think, I
0: just find this so depressing, though, right? Like it's to me, it's like the healthcare debate. That it's like we've yeah. got these big corporations that can and do deliver good outcomes for some people, but you have the majority of Americans who, uh, you know, if they get cancer or if they get even a mild respiratory disease or whatever, it can be just like. It can bankrupt them. So you know, Uber comes in and it's going to buy the transit system. And now suddenly, instead of two seventy-five or a discounted pass that you get from uh, city hall because uh, they fund fares for low-income people, it's suddenly four dollars. You know, and they have to answer not to me, the person who takes it, but to a boardroom of venture capitalists located in some other city that's not. But who does the
2: MTA answer for now? Well, but that's that's
0: the thing. It's like what we're the stuff we're talking about. The solutions that we need to fix this stuff are so not sexy. Okay, make the buses go faster. Okay, reform the MTA or abolish it and have it go somewhere else. These aren't sexy things. But then you dangle these baubles, these shiny mm-hmm. things in front of the press, like a bus that has a panda face on the front. And suddenly, it's like, can panda face buses save our cities? Yeah, exactly. You know, because and that's really frustrating. because yeah, that to, gets to clicks. To. I mean, yeah.
1: having written these things myself, like, you know, yeah, you get clicks with
0: does yeah. a I mean, to me, it's like you, you watch television in 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 Europe, and you know what you don't see are pharmaceutical ads. Yeah. You know, you don't see that, uh, but here you do. And to me, it's very similar. It's like we're all and just it's
1: the education system. Exactly. It's the same thing with the education
0: system. Yeah.
1: Oh, look, you know, charter schools can like de- deliver good results for kids in the inner cities, and then it's a great excuse for politicians to say like, oh, you know, look at this. We can we don't have to spend money on on the education system. Are we just going to dismantle the public realm of our of our society and in favor of privatizing everything from prisons to transportation, I you know, but maybe we are, but like, I don't think it's going to work. I don't think it's going to result in a humane society. But
2: look, I mean, it's interesting to me that a lot of the people who are now going over to these VC backed, you know, urban mobility companies are actually people who are sort of stars in the livable streets world about three, four, or five years ago. So Carolyn Sampanero now runs yep. all of the- Formerly bike- of
0: Transportation Alternatives yeah. here in New York City.
2: She runs the, the bike program- at Lyft, um, Scott Kubley, who is the star DOT commissioner in Seattle.
0: Yeah, but I still find it a little depressing. I'm going to play the devil's advocate of like, okay, but like all these former Obama officials are now like working in healthcare companies and predatory lending companies, you know, like I'm not, and I love all these people that you're mentioning. And I think they, I'm glad they're fighting the good fight kind of, you know, in this territory. But there is part of me that, you know, look, it's not, either we go full blown like every piece of transit is socialized or we go full market solutions somewhere in the middle is, is healthy but um, it, there is part of me that's like this we are heading down this road like I think Sarah was like, alluding to or like you're going to take your uber bus to your uh lime scooter to visit your friend in the like you I know, honestly Sun don't, Trust I, don't I don't care hospital. who runs the
2: bus I literally do not care who runs well, the bus okay. as long as it runs like if there were I just want a bus that runs every five minutes yeah, but what down my local what avenue. If,
0: what if that bus company, Uber or whoever buys it, says, OK, our shares are down 3% uh, this week. And, uh, you know, uh, Peter Thiel, our biggest investor, is really upset that, uh, that his uh, stock has tanked by a billion dollars. So, you know, what we got to do. Uh that fare for your bus that was $3 now it's we got to raise it to
2: $6. Right. Well, that's what they're going to do. Who do, do we shut out?
0: Yeah. Or, or who do we shut out?
1: what if what you know what kind of uh, you know restrictions on the type of people who are going to be able to ride the bus? Like what does that mean for, you know, people with are all of these things gonna be fully ADA compliant? Or what if a homeless person gets on the It'll bus and be smells than and the MTA. you know well, the MTA okay, is horrible I mean, with
2: ADA compliance?
1: All right, so so you think it would be better than the MTA? No, I, mean, I, I, guess, I don't
2: I don't know that. But look, I'm just saying like we have such a failed system right now, and the most exciting and transformative thing that's happening is actually happening in this realm of VC backed urban mobility services, which are also massively fucking up cities by like adding more cars. So there's huge problems. But what I'm saying and what I think like we often fail to do with this stuff is we should just let we should leverage them like that is where like the energy and the money is. Um, Uber is about to put a million dollars into advocacy for congestion pricing, which is a, you know, it's a policy that is desperately needed in New York and other cities that advocates have been fighting, you know, 20 plus years to try to get some form of Um, and have been completely unsuccessful. And I think we need big corporate power to start fighting for these kinds of policies. And we need to channel that energy and money in the right direction. And it's one of the things that's been missing is like, we don't have Albany, you know, state capitals, state legislatures. You kind of have to bribe them. They're corrupt, shitty political bodies that, that are imposing their will on cities. And it's actually pretty easy sometimes to get them to do what you want. You just bribe them. And and a company like Uber can probably do that. Yeah. Yeah. How I much mean, is it going to cost? Just I mean, tell us.
0: And and to play the other side of it too, I think that part of the the good thing about this stuff that's happening as it's happening right now is that it's getting people to start saying like, "Oh, so the you know, 20 scooters can fit in the space of one car." And sure it was a private company that put them there, but at least now we're starting to say our streets can be used for different things and we need to start fixing them. So there is that side of it that I think uh, these private companies are forcing the government's hand to say, hey, wait a minute, that one person who has their car on the street and they move it twice a week for alternate side parking or to make a run to the grocery store once every couple of weeks, that's not great use for that space. We can use it to a much better effect and help more people. So that part of me is like, great. I've been trying to, you know, it took me two, almost two years to get, bike parking for eight bicycles at my daughter's school. Almost two years. It was a ridiculous process. But yeah, like if if Lime or Uber came along and said we want like a branded uh, place where we can park our dockless bikes, that would probably happen in two weeks. Yeah
1: and the other thing is it it's helping people to see the street differently That's like huge. that you know That's it's huge. It's, it's, yes. it's actually like illuminating some of these issues and making people aware of stuff that they had no awareness of before but I guess I'm still skeptical that it's going to add up and as, you know, like Elon Musk implodes or whatever, or, you know, what happens all these, when a lot when of these, these VC-backed
2: companies are going to implode. Yeah, they're, they're gonna running on VC then, money. And then, right, right. And now. then yeah.
1: like what what's left, you know, the, then
2: degraded transit systems for sure.
1: Right. And stranded, and
2: stranded people,
1: people who have become dependent on forms of transportation that just vanish overnight. And and then no and one or
2: two companies like Uber and Lyft, and they'll own all of the stuff. I mean, I really think that's kind of where it's headed, right? It's like a bunch of, this is how any startup uh, ecosystem works, is like a bunch of companies jump in and then a couple of big ones remain and they're like the power players. Well, I mean,
1: obviously, the New York City subway system was also was started to say by the private, same thing. It was all you know. private
2: companies. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, I mean, did then Uber and Lyft then, by analogy, become, you know, government.
0: Maybe that's where this is heading. Well, well that's yeah, what I was thinking. Like, so motivate owns uh, many of the bicycle share systems in the country and City Bike is one of them let's say motivate went out of business tomorrow and now there are still 10 12,000 bicycles that people are really dependent on for their commutes now They've yeah. become part of the fabric of new york city do those get taken over by the city and just become well, socialized well, Lyft owns and, or well yeah right? but let's say let's say that like lift everybody they all go out of business does the city say hey wait we see this as a public good and we take this on and we throw Too tax big dollars to fail. out right maybe do we yeah do we, do we bail out the bicycle yeah. share
2: company? is that where this is headed the thing that I think about a lot with advocates is like we we have this and especially I think people on the left maybe do this more where we have this kind of, you know, ah, everybody does this. You, you have this response where you see kind of like Uber coming into the city and adding more car traffic, but also, you know, having an appealing service that people at least people with money seem to like and they use it. And we sort of decide, OK, you know, this is bad. We need to regulate Uber you know, we need to like put a cap on this. We need to stop this. And I'm hoping we can come to some place where there's a more holistic view or like, okay, Uber is putting more cars on the street. The problem is more cars on the street. We need to cap. We need some sort of limit like New York city, city, big cities in general have a, there there has to be some limit to the number of cars a city can hold. And When I look at my street, I'm much more worried about the cars that I see, the private cars that I see parked at the curbside all day, all week, maybe moving like once a week, basically sitting there for 95% of the time, hogging up street space that could be used for dedicated bike lanes, could be used for dedicated bus lanes. And what I'd like to do is I'd like to start getting these companies like Uber uh, to start to fund, like take money from those guys to fund the stuff that we really need in cities, which is better biking, better buses, better walking. It just
0: has to be done in a way that is, if that is done, it has to be done in a way that's sensitive to the idea that they are not going to invest in places where they don't see customers. So here in our neighborhood, in Park Slope, in Brooklyn, in gentrified areas, we'll have tons of of that stuff. And great, Uber spends $400,000 to build a few miles of bike lanes or whatever. But say in Brownsville, where they're not getting as many customers, those people will be screwed. Yeah, I mean,
1: you guys are depending on like a big capitalist company to do the public spirited thing. I I just have never seen. No, I'm saying regulate the fuck
2: out of them. I'm saying like make that like impose basically just be like your cars, you know, we're limiting the amount of space in the city for cars and we're taking money from you to fund public transit and we're going to put it on, you know, we're going to put it in dedicated lanes that your cars can't use. And that's going to be, the, and, and you know, yeah, you're going to have I, to pay your to workers see, properly. Let's, and let's
1: watch Bill de Blasio and
2: and, and Andrew well, Cuomo problem, fight over right? that.
1: Like, you know, I just, I don't.
2: None of those guys are going to, but this is the thing is like. There's no but political also, will. But also there's no, ad, I don't feel like we're advocating for this stuff to happen. Like our advocacy community, like we don't really know what policies to push for yet, except for just like Uber's bad, fucking get them out of the city. Like they're right. like, bad capitalist traffic congestors, get them out.
1: So that's what the war on cars is for. I mean, that's partly what we want to do here, right? Is to advocate for better policies and and for like... Figure out how to make it work.
0: And to get deeper than the, ooh, shiny, look at these scooters rolling around. But to really talk about what does it mean when, uh, yeah, the tech bros are rolling around your city on scooters, but meanwhile, people who live 30, 40 minutes outside the city are stranded on a subway platform because there's a meltdown and a signal failure and they can't get to work. So They need the
2: Hyperloop. They can't, they're just, absolutely. No, uh, no, but like
1: the future of our cities, the future of the economy of our nation depends on us making the right decisions now. And that's why what we're talking about here is important and that's why i care about doing this
0: Uh, and i think sarah that is a a great way to sum it up and say that is why we need a a war on cars and why we need perhaps this podcast i mean the way that we were actually at war with each other i was almost going to say we should take this outside really shows uh, uh, well we're three like we're three mostly like-minded people and even we can't really agree on the best tactic the best way to True. do this all right so this has been the war on cars just well, the just the first battle in the war this the, the first from the first this is the lexington and concord of the <laughs> These war are the opening cars. shots exactly man. this has been the war on cars uh, i'm doug gordon
2: i'm aaron Napperstack.
0: and i'm sarah goodyear
2: we are produced
0: by curtis fox and the music you're hearing is by nathaniel goodyear thanks very much we'll be back with more